We should just post our own and let the fans decide. Yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna post our sexy bodies on Instagram. So please follow us. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mid Major Madness Podcast. My name is Russ Steinberg. It is great to be back with you after we took I don't know three quarters of the summer off. <laughs> Once I finished doing coach interviews, whatever. <laughs> we're back, better than ever. I'm joined today by our social editor, Cam Newton. Cam is in law school now, which means, you know, that's like the first step towards becoming a full-time blogger. So we're excited about that. (laughs) Uh, Cam, why don't you tell us where you are right now? It's a school that's very near and dear to our hearts and how you're enjoying it. Oh, do you really want me to be candid about the enjoyment aspect? (laughs) Well, it may be like, how do you like the weather? Oh, it's terrible. It was like 97 degrees today on October 3rd. Okay. All right. So 0 for 2. Um, okay. Just tell us where you are and how excited you are about basketball. It's so now. humid here. You can choke on the air. It's terrible. Um, no, I'm at William & Mary, which is in Williamsburg, Virginia, for those of you who don't know. It's like a great place to go if you want to see like recreations of old buildings that are like flooded with old white people on vacation. Um, otherwise it's a, it's a really great place to be though, in terms of this, uh, in terms of this here blog, because frequent readers of the site will know that William and Mary is one of the founding members of the never made the tournament club. So hopefully, you know, this season I can be on hand for that. I would be more optimistic if they didn't fire their head coach though, but that's just me. Well, the, the good news is if they do break through, you will be on campus to cover every second of it. Yeah, us. but like everyone who goes here is a big old nerd, so I don't think they'll even care. There's got to be like 30 bros <laughs> who, will, who will care. Like, listen, I went to NYU and was like, you know, I mean, I did first covered their basketball teams for the school paper. And now I do the broadcast. And for the most part, nobody cared. But you know, our men's team made the tournament my senior year, hosted a first round game and people showed up for that and they won. And a bunch of people who I, I think they were like members of the soccer team stormed the court. So like if we were able to find people who cared about division three basketball, I think we could find enough people who care about William and Mary finally breaking through that that you should have some excitement. Unfortunately, there. I just don't think there will be anything like a, uh, a state street or whatever. In the event that they do, you know, light couch, maybe you, maybe you could be the one who like lights couches on fire and Kentucky. that kind of thing. It, yeah. It'll just be you, but it, it'll be great. <laughs> it'll be like the biggest taste of, well, let's see. Henry Clay went to school at William and Mary. So he didn't go to the law school there though. Ah, undergrad man. Glenn Close went to school there too. Well, there you go. I mean, she's also a noted old white person, but still. <laughs> but she's cool. She looks like yeah. She, she looks a little like my mom. That's beside the point. <laughs> if you're listening, do not look at right. like my mom. <laughs> well, now just give us your mom's name, just so we know. I will not do that. Okay, great. So. Why don't we actually talk about basketball? Because, you know, surprise, surprise, I'm not sure when I'm going to get around to editing this, but it'll probably be in the next couple of days. And we're about a month out from the start of the season. Um, I think internally we've been talking a lot about 
how we're pretty excited for this year. Uh, last year, yeah, it, it had its cool moments. It, te- it had its great stories. Um, but for the most part, it wasn't exactly the year of the mid-major. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cinderella didn't really show up to the NCAA tournament. Mid-majors kind of flamed out early. Um, you know, you had the usual suspects ranked in the AP poll from time to time, but it wasn't that great for us. And I think it is because it's set up this year, which if all goes according to plan is going to be really, really mm-hmm. good. Uh, we have, you know, the, uh, in the East coast, the a 10 appears to be back. They could, they could be a three bid league, maybe even four. If we're really ambitious, probably not. Uh, but they have already two top 25 caliber teams. Um, out West, the West Coast Conference looks to be a two, maybe a three-bid league. Uh, Mountain West could be as well. We talked about maybe Conference USA. Um, the, this could be a year where, you know, you have a lot of really good teams breaking through. And, Cam, I'm wondering if you have maybe one or two things that you're really looking forward to this year. Yeah, um, you were talking about last year. Just it, it put the bar really low. So, like, anything could really really excite me this year we used up all of our magic the year before when we had like yeah. nevada and um umbc and uh, loyola and everything like that so i mean next year if, if we're talking excitement um it's gonna be really hard for me to personally top to a bit ovc um i am excited um for one thing to see just how how belmont does um on the topic of ovc um, in terms of uh, of replacing Rick Bird, but still doing it with the same uh, style and, and, and seeing how a new coach who's definitely um, probably a better recruiter, I'd say, than Rick Bird, what he's going to do with that program. Because it's, 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 from here on out, I think it's just a, a point of building. Because um, obviously Rick Bird like, set the foundation for all this stuff, but I'm really excited to see where Casey Alexander um, with this like generational change can kind of take it to the next level and perhaps make it climb even more. You know, I know you're more tapped into Belmont obviously than, than I am, but this does seem like a year probably where this is a one bit OBC mm-hmm. and it's probably going to be Murray state. Is that correct? No, 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 I don't think, Mur- I think it's it? going to be Belmont. Belmont. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to scratch out. No, cause like, um, I'm going to delete all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I think, um, you know, there's not a huge amount of, of uh, roster like turnover, I guess, there at Belmont. Obviously, they lost their best player, but so did Murray State. And, uh, and the depth right. that's there in Murray State, I just don't think is able to recover as well as, uh, as Belmont's is. Um, they did just get like a really, really good transfer. Um, I, I'm blanking on his name right now. Tyler Scanlon, yep, from Boston U. Yes. Who will do a great job. He's really of, good, by the way. You're going to like him. Oh, he's fantastic, and he's going to do a great job of filling in the uh, role that Windler played. Obviously, he's not like as good. Yeah. Uh, Muzinski is only getting better. I mean, he's a redshirt sophomore this year. Um, he was really w- proved himself to be like a really key player for them, which was made really evident when they – you know, ended up losing the conference title game to Murray State in his absence. Um, but it will be a fun year, even though it'll probably be just a one bid year. It's going. It's definitely going to be a fun year, just for the fact that like 
the conference itself got smart with the scheduling and actually gave us like two Belmont Murray State games. Um, yeah, first time that's ever happened. Yeah, which surprised me. Yeah, I mean, it it kind of was a little more fun, I guess. Like putting all the all the chips on that one matchup because it really made it intense. That's a really good rivalry. I think that's that's spurned a lot of uh, spurred a lot of hatred in recent years. Um, but yeah. It'll be fun to actually see a, a home and home kind of thing within the season between the two. Um, otherwise, you know, I, I am I'm also pretty excited within that conference to see Austin P. I think they're going to be the biggest dark horse um, if anybody's going to challenge Belmont. Just because Terry Taylor, uh, I, I've, I'm really really hyping him up this year. Um, fantastic, fantastic player for Austin P. and. Uh, I would not be surprised if they actually come out of this and take the take the auto bid. That'd be cool because we've kind of been hearing about Austin P as like a potential dark horse the last couple of years. It never really happened. It'd be cool if this was the year that it finally did. Thirteen and five in conference last year, so they were were pretty good. Um, I did actually get to see them a couple of times and enjoyed watching them play. Lost in the OVC semifinals a year ago, so another team to watch out for. I think. You know, and and I know you're going to write a little bit about Belmont and about Casey Alexander in his first year. And we talked to him on the podcast, and I think it's pretty much universally looked at as a great hire. Mm-hmm. And they even kept a lot of the same assistants. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. I think Casey brought one with but, him. Uh, Ayers is still there, and um, when she's a, a long yep. time Rick Bird staple. So, yeah, I, I think. You know, obviously, we're always going to be watching the OVC because we have you on staff and that's what you do. Um, and I think similar from my point of view, I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see what the Atlantic 10 brings us. And I know that's kind of the easy answer because everyone is hyping up the A10 this <laughs> season. But I really don't care because I think VCU and Davidson not only are two, you know, upper tier teams from the mid-major world, but I think they're two top 25 teams nationally. Um, They both return a lot from last year. They were both really good last year, I should also add. Um, And it's not just going to be the two of them. I think Rhode Island has improved a lot. I think Dayton is pretty good. They probably have the best front court in the league. And I think St. Bonaventure might kind of be a sleeper team in that conference. I see Blue Ribbon picks them to finish sixth. I was really impressed Mm -hmm. with their underclassmen, how they played in the A-10 tournament last year. Um, Maybe it's, you know, me being drawn in by a way too small sample size. Like that's been known to happen. That could totally be the case. But I I really like the way that they played. I think they're a very balanced team, and I would be excited to see – what they could bring to the fold. And and then, you know, we always get asked like this is anytime we ask for questions, either on a podcast, a mailbag, whatever, we always get asked which team or which teams um, could win multiple games in the NCAA tournament. Uh, This year, I think, I think it might be VCU. They bring back four starters. Um, They are going to start. I don't know, two, maybe three of the better players in this conference. Uh, I don't know if that's a stretch to say. Marcus Evans 
uh, at point guard, Deriante Jenkins, Isaac Van in the front court. Um, they are experienced. They're all seniors. Um, yeah, they're, they're all seniors. They're all like double digit caliber scorers. Isaac Van's a beast. Like th- this is a, c- a complete team. It's one that's well coached. We were questioning a year ago, I think, if Mike Rhodes um, would be able to kind of keep it going at VCU. I think it's answered with the way they overperformed last year. I really like this team. And then, you know, Davidson has um, uh, Kellen Grady returning, who could be maybe the best overall player in that conference. Uh, so th- there's going to be some star power in the A-10. There's going to be some top 25 quality. And I- I'm just really excited to see it. Yeah. I, it'll be very refreshing after like the past few years um, where the A-10 has just not looked like its typical self. Um, where, you know, yeah. we've been talking about like, oh God, will they even get two bids <laughs> like some of these years? Um Whereas we're used to them being like a four bid league or something like that. So it's really nice to like see all of these teams returning to a very much like a powerhouse form. Um, But I think like the most common thread that you mentioned there among all of those like really tough teams minus St. Bonaventure is just the, the experience that's coming back. I mean, I mean, VCU and Grady and Goodmanson with, uh, with Davidson. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's so much talent on that VCU team top to bottom and it's basically all coming back. But um, if we're talking to A-10, I'd be remiss to not mention, like, I think Richmond is going to be. I knew you were going to say Richmond. Yeah, like, like I think this has to be a very, very good year for them. I think it's the make or break year for Mooney. I feel like we've said that recently, <laughs> but, like, this, it will be inexcusable if this team does not finish in, like, the top, in my opinion, you know, four or five in the league. Um in the, in the conference, just because of the fact that they have so, so much depth. Um, they just got like a, a transfer from Wagner's name's Blake Francis, who puts up a ton, a ton of points. Um, but Jacob Gilliard's fantastic. Brant Golden's fantastic. Um, it's, it's really, really going to be, I think, a good year for them. If it's not, then yeah, fire Chris Moody. But <laughs> this is, this is, I think, the year. Okay, two things. One, don't lie to us. You're picking them because you like spiders. Yes. Yes. Uh, two, we've discussed this off the podcast, and I think it's worth mentioning here. We want nothing more than Richmond to somehow make the NCAA tournament <laughs> and like win two games just because nobody hates seeing their own team win quite as much as Richmond fans <laughs> seem to because they hate Chris Mooney so much. And if Richmond somehow makes like a miracle run and they extend Mooney, it would drive them bananas and it would be so fun to see. Oh my God. I would, I would kill to see Richmond make the sweet 16 and to see like three billboards outside of Richmond, Virginia or something like that. Fire Mooney. <laughs> it's like Mr. Uh, I don't know their AD's name. Uh, such as Mr. Uh, Smith. It's like, Smith. <laughs> 14 years and no NCAA tournament bids in five or something like that. Yeah. And some like construction worker has to go up and change it to one NCAA tournament <laughs> bid. One sweet 16. Got the uh, Richmond version and, of- and I think you and I have both, <laughs> you and I have both dealt with him. Chris Mooney's like a really nice guy. He's really good. Oh, he's so like, we, we don't like seeing everyone crap on him. 
yeah, he's one of my favorites just because he is like he's super nice and like when you interview him and stuff, even in like post game press conferences and everything, he's just always he just has a very good disposition. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Um, get, getting a little more, you know, specific to what we've talked about on the site lately, because believe it or not, we have started doing content a little more consistently. Speak for um, yourself, man. I've been churning out terrible photoshops for a month now. That's right. You have. And that, sh- that should not go. <laughs> that does not go unnoticed. Um, but you wrote a good piece that wasn't just <laughs> awful photoshops or great photoshops. Um, and it was about the University of Texas San Antonio and, as you call it, the most electric scoring duo in the country. So why don't you tell us a little bit about UTSA this year and what we should expect? And are they one of the favorites in Conference USA? Where should they finish? Yeah, so with UTSA, I mean, the real um, you know crux of that story right there was about how they have these two really fantastic scores on their team, Javon Jackson and Keaton Wallace. And um, all throughout last season, you know, UTSA finished only two games over 500. Um, but the big, they were very, very reliable scores all throughout the year. Both of them averaged well over 20 points per game. Um, but they were basically the whole team like throughout all season long, their usage rates are incredible. Javon Jackson's, I think he was top 10 in the country in terms of his usage last year. Um, They take a ton of shots. Um, If they can, you know, boost efficiency at all, which I think might happen next year, just because they've got a few more pieces around them um, that have been added. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if the onus will necessarily be on them as much to lead this team, but they're a fun team in that they play incredibly fast. They chuck up a ton of threes. They barely ever turn the ball over. Um, I, I think that given the way um, Conference USA kind of looks this year, uh, Western Kentucky's definitely like the team to beat. Um, Old Dominion's probably going to have a pretty solid year, Louisiana Tech. But you know, I, I think UTSA, I think I picked them um, to end up winning the conference actually uh, just because that is such a fun, fun team. Um, their style of play is going to be hard to, to contend, especially um, some of these slower-paced teams like Old Dominion and everything. That's the team, actually, that I talked about in the, uh, in the piece was yeah. how uh, there was the game back in late January that really made everyone kind of take notice of these guys where, you know, Old Dominion was up by, God, I think it was like 18 points or something like that with about three-something to go, I mean, under four minutes. And uh, Old Dominion ended up losing that game to UTSA. I mean, they can score in bunches. Um, it's it's going to be a really good year for UTSA, I think. If you want to know more, go read the story. Uh, I, I'm glad you brought up that Old Dominion game. One point win for UTSA. And, and one of the telling numbers from that game it, it, is that it was played in 74 possessions. Yeah, which if you know Old Dominion, they like to play like in the mid 60s. So the fact that UTSA is able to speed up other teams, get them to play a little bit closer to their style. I think it tells a lot and another year of experience from this team. Um, you know, I mean, Jackson was only a sophomore last year, junior now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's it's exciting to see they do the fundamental things pretty well, like you said. 
they're not a very efficient team that needs to change. But, you know, if that, that tends to be something efficiency that goes a little bit more hand in hand with experience Mm -hmm. because it comes down to taking smarter shots, um, it being a little more fundamental about things. If they could change that, it's going to be a really good team. And, you know, looking at what they did last year, you said they only lost, you said they only finished two games above 500. Only two of those losses were to bad teams. Yeah. I mean, everyone else was like a Ken Palm top 150 team that they lost to. So like they they were better, I think, than their record indicated. So they're, they're a real player in, in, in this conference. I, I agree with you that Western Kentucky is a favorite, but I think UTSA is, is a factor. Louisiana Tech, we wrote about them today. They're a factor. Um, you know, Old Dominion, Marshall, UAB are kind of always going to be in the mix. It's going to be a fun league. Yeah. <laughs> they did lose to a non-D1 team last year. But yeah, to, to open the but season. Javon Jackson didn't play the first uh, few games last year. Then that's yeah. a little caveat, which is why you know some of those early games they got crushed by Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Um, it took them a while. They started zero and five, so you could definitely attribute that to to his absence, if that is any indication as to how important mm-hmm. he is. Yeah, and, and by the way, just because you said that, I want to say something completely unrelated, just because it's always a topic of discussion like around March, how the committee no longer looks at your performance in your last 10 games. <laughs> and I think a lot of, a lot of talking heads seem to agree with that because they say a loss in November should count just as much as a loss in March. Um, but I, th- I think this is a, a good point where, where it shows why I would disagree with that because the team that's, going to be competing in the NCAA tournament is not always a team that you had in November. And while every team might be different from November to March, so why should it make a difference? That's like what people say. I, I I think it really does. Um, When I sat in with the selection committee on the women's side last year, and I know that the processes are a little bit different. I get that, but I think the principle should remain the same. When they talk about whether or not you get in, they talk about the whole season from November to March. But when they talk about seeding you and placing you, they talk about what you are now and what you have the potential to do when you make it. And and I think UTSA last year was like one of those teams that obviously weren't in the discussion for the tournament. They didn't have the resume. But like that sort of resume of starting off really slow, having one of your players hurt, but now you're suddenly a different team is, is something that needs to be taken into yeah. account. And um, that, that's all I have to say. Yeah, and, and, and UTSA's um, schedule, if I'm, I'm trying to remember who they end up playing, I don't think that they've actually released any sort of, uh, any sort of non-conference schedule that I could think of. Otherwise, it'd be easier for me to, to sit here and kind of say, like, oh, here's some good opportunities. I'm, I'm going to look that up actually right now. Actually, if they have, there's only like 15 teams that haven't released their schedules yet. Uh, if they haven't, you could check the D1 docket spreadsheet. Yes, have I do. To that. Okay, actually, they do have their their schedule up. Um, yeah, I mean, they play Illinois State, they play Oregon State, um, they play Utah State, they play Oklahoma. So there's going to be some. Yeah, there's going to be some awesome. God, that Utah State game is going to be fun. It's in Logan. Utah State's going to be so good. Oh, I, I'm I'm really really excited for that. Yeah, and I that's maybe a chance for us to 
talk about something else that was written on our site by uh, by Will Mopin. I don't know if that's how you say his name. I asked him. He didn't get back to me. Um, <laughs> I I asked him to write this because he's he's a West Coast guy. He knows um, like that Western half of the country. Teams in Utah in general are really freaking good. Uh, and they're going to be good this year. It starts with Utah State. Um, you know, also BYU is going to be good. Utah Valley is going to be good. Southern Utah is going to be good. I wrote about them mm-hmm. a while ago. But, you know, Utah State's kind of carrying the mantle with, you know, bringing back Sam Merrill, who was uh, player of the year in that conference, and then Nemius Kita, um, the big guy, the center. Uh, it, what year is he? Was he a freshman last year? Um, Kita, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he was good as hell. I remember I had never heard of him. And then I watched that one Utah State game in January. Yeah, it was freshman last year. I watched that um, that loss to San Diego State in February. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, this guy's a freshman. I love this guy already. Um, yeah, they're they're going to they're gonna be fun. They're going to be fun to watch. Utah State, another top 25 team. They should be in the NCAA tournament. And if they are, the Mountain West very well could be a two-bid league. Yeah, I, I think... When we were talking earlier about um, teams that have the potential to possibly win some games in the uh, mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament, I, I yeah, they're one of them. I would have picked Utah State. Um, obviously, VCU is obviously a great answer, but yeah, Utah State would be the first team that really popped into my mind. There, um, uh, God, I would love, 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 love to see Sam Merrill back in the tournament again this year. Um, yeah, absolutely so so talented but that's that's the other conference i think we were talking about earlier that uh, has me really excited because we were talking about how the a10 you know is starting to kind of feel its feel itself um returning to its former glory and whatnot and i think the mountain west is also um in that shape I, I know when we did some of our you know predictions and everything uh, for the preseason i think i had multiple bids coming from the mountain west this year as well yeah, and I, I think that's possible. And I know, you know, um, Nevada was the preseason favorite in that league last year. And we, I think we all expected them to be a little bit better than they ended up being. Um, but obviously, losing must, they're going to take a step back. Mm-hmm. But I think as a whole, conference is going to be a lot more balanced this year. And I mean, that could be a good thing or a bad thing because they could beat each other up and you know, lose bids that way. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be really fun to watch. And and we, by the way, do have two teams from the Mountain West ranked in our preseason top 25, um, Utah State and New Mexico. And those could be the two tournament teams that we end up having. Mm-hmm. I, I also kind of threw um, San Diego State in there as well. Oh, they could be too. They could be too. I think they were a, um, I think they were a team that we were kind of considering for the top 25 as mm-hmm. well. Uh, they've they've got a good team. Brian Dutcher seems to have answered all the questions left after, you know, without Steve Fisher, what's the program going to look like? He kind of made them what they are. Um, I, I, I think he's done a really nice job, and he's recruited very well to there. I, I don't know how hard it is to recruit to freaking San Diego, <laughs> uh, but, you know, he, he's gotten it done. He's gotten it done. They've They've got a decent team. And I think Boise State's yeah. going to be solid. I, I'm just also interested, I think, in seeing um, Otts in his first year on the job at UNLV. I'm really, I'm, yes. I'm going to like be riding the UNLV bandwagon for the next few years. I mean, obviously they're not going to be 
Let's competing go. next year, but give him give him some time, and I think uh, we'll finally be seeing like UNLV getting back to at least how good it was under like Lon Kruger. Yeah. Listen, I don't think there is anybody in college basketball media who is not rooting for UNLV to be mm-hmm. good. Because if there's one thing that basketball writers love, it's Las Vegas. <laughs> and you saw how crushed they all were when the NCAA took away that week or weekend in Las Vegas uh, during the recruiting yes. season. Uh, so if they have an excuse to go to Vegas and cover the Rebels, you know they're going to want to. Um, and, you know, we've seen what Otz was able to do uh, at South Dakota State. I think this is a good fit for him. Um, I... I'm no expert on this, but I think it can't be difficult to recruit to no. Las Vegas. I mean, right. I mean, they've definitely got stuff going for them in terms of like program history and everything like that. It's such a fun like city. I think. Um, Have you ever been? No. Me neither. I love to go. And we, hey, SB, Mister Mister Matt Brown, can you please yeah. give us money to go? Yeah. Uh, so it, if you're listening, we, we'd love to come uh, cover a game. And nice. and Grand Canyon, if you want to bankroll it, we'll swing by um, Phoenix, too. Yeah, and thank you for the direct deposit. We always appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, did we talk about the other Utah teams? I mean, I know you said Southern Utah is good. Um yeah, Southern Utah's good. BYU is they were picked today actually. It was uh West Coast Conference Media Day. They were picked to finish third mm-hmm. in the WCC, which is like where they're always picked to finish. Yeah. Um but they're going to be really good. I think we all love their head coach, their new head coach Mark Pope, right? Oh, well, I love him. He's a Kentucky boy. He's a Kentucky boy, sure, but he's like a certified awesome crazy person. Yeah, but, but he's also a Kentucky boy. Yeah, okay. And then having Mark Madsen take over Utah Valley is cool as hell. Yeah, um, I thought that was the guy know, from um, Pulp Fiction at first, you know, the guy <laughs> who cuts the dude's ear off. No, he's the guy from the Los, Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, wait, that's uh, Michael Madsen. My bad. There you go. I uh, I did talk to Mark Madsen for what is now a lost episode of the Coach's Show because I like got a new computer the next week and just never... I don't know. The file exists somewhere, um, but I did talk to him and he 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 is a good guy. He is someone who is very much. He is 100 percent bought into Utah Valley as a university, as a basketball program, and is committed to building that up to taking what Mark Pope started and really pushing the limits of what they can do. He's an NBA guy, and I think he is going to be able to sell that to a lot of players. I mean, you look at a lot of mid-major guys who maybe they were they think they were overlooked by Power 5 schools or they feel like they can play professionally one day if, you know, if, if things break right. I think he has the right combination of of course he has to prove it but he seems to believe he has the right combination of being able to develop guys over the course of a four-year career and being able to sell what you need to do to succeed at the professional level that he's going to be able to get some really good players in there. Um, so I'm fascinated to see what Mark Madsen could do at, U- at Utah Valley um, and if they could really become a contender in that conference. Because the WAC, I mean, it's of course, it's always changing, 
but the top of that league, New Mexico State and Grand Canyon is pretty freaking solid. And if Utah State could slip in there, uh, it, it's going to yeah. be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. All right. Um, shortly before we started recording this, um, I did ask for some questions from our wonderful Twitter followers. Our wonderful Twitter followers, by the way, who are now more than 17,000 strong, almost 18,000. Thank you to our social oh, editor, Cam. You have done an extraordinary job growing our community. Thank you. Thank you. Also follow us on Instagram because we almost have a thousand on there. Yeah. And there's like the math just doesn't add up. You guys, there's like 957 of you who follow us on Instagram and like yeah. 17,800 of you on Twitter. You're holding out on us. I don't like it. Yeah. So there's like 16,000 of you who have some explaining to do. Yeah. We know you have Instagram. So, yeah. So either follow us on Instagram or send us an email explaining why you're not. It's, What's it going to take? Am I going to have to post like? Am I going to start have to post shirtless pics? You know what? Listen, you hear Cam's voice. You know how beautiful his voice is. He is just as sexy, my friends. My, I have this this glistening body. It's it's natural oil, um, natural body oil, but it, it glistens nonetheless. God, this is getting weird. Anyway, we took questions from Twitter. Is where I was going with this, <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to answer a couple of them. What a weird what a weird way to transition to this. Really good segue. I think my favorite question, because A, it's different from what we usually get, and B, I think we could hit on a lot of stuff nationally, uh, comes from Brett Rushing. And Brett asks, Who's your favorite team this year that finished bottom half of their conference last year? So we're looking for a team that maybe struggled a lot last year, wasn't great, but is set up to be really, really good this year. Um I know we both have two really good um, candidates, so Cam, you could go first. Okay, yeah, my mind. I've been I've been on a fixation with this team lately. Fixation, something about For the him. record. I don't know why. Yeah, something about them is just really <laughs> something about them is just really getting to me. Um, they only had five wins last year, so you know, there's a lot of places to go from there. Most of which, including include going up. <laughs> Some could, I mean, you could go down conceivably, but I think Maine. I'm big on Maine, man. Um, I actually looked this up the other day. I, I had a little quiz in there and said, like, do you know the the athletic sponsor, apparel sponsor of Maine? And no one got it right. It's New Balance, man. That's like I came close for the record. You can't. I thought it was Russell. I knew it wasn't Nike, Adidas, or Under Armour. Yeah, it's it's New Balance. So I'm embarrassed to tell you why I know. <laughs> well, um, Richard Barron just took over. Um, I can't remember if last year was. Yeah, this is going to be, I think. Yes, this will be his second year. And um, they play of extremely slow style of play. Um, it's a little infuriating, actually. Um, but Yeah, but we hate that. But like that's how you upset good teams. Yeah, exactly. Limiting the number of possessions. I mean, they, they're good passers. Um, they didn't have an incredibly efficient offense, as you would expect from a 5-27 and 27 team. Um, but the good thing is, in the America East Conference, you know, Vermont, everybody thinks Vermont's just going to run away with it this year. Um, they are. But otherwise, I think Albany is the only other, like, good team. I mean, the rest of it is just, it's, it's not a very good league, uh, top to bottom. And I think there's definitely some room for Maine to improve in that sort of power vacuum um, that has taken place below the top two teams. Um, they do have 
a pretty solid uh, uh, few players. Um, I think most of their team is uh, made up of international players, which is just a really interesting fact. It has nothing to do with like how good they are or anything. Um, but Andrew Fleming uh, is pretty much the guy who is um, seen as like the, the heart and soul, I guess, of this team. He's a senior, um, kind of is able to do really anything. Uh, he was uh, He's able to put up really high point totals, but he's also just a, a pretty solid rebounder too. Um, other than that, though, they have a lot of guys who just fill good roles. Um, no other real standout scores or anything. They did just get a really good um, uh, player who redshirted last season. Though. I think his name's like Stefan Ingo. Um, and so he'll finally be able to contribute this year. I, I know he had a pretty, pretty good, um, I guess, high school career or anything like that. So I think that they probably will have a good chance to contend for, I don't know, you know, fifth or fourth um, in this league, just because of the fact that like no one else is really good. You know, I could sense a lot of readers maybe rolling their eyes at this, but I'm going to defend it because I'm looking at the state of the America East right now. I think we all agree that Vermont is number one. Um, Stony Brook is going to be really good. UMBC is up there. Hartford loses almost everything from what was a pretty solid America East team. Um, I think Maine will be better than Binghamton. So if they're better than Binghamton, Hartford, and New Hampshire, that puts them at sixth. All they got to do is jump one more spot to be in the top half of that league. it's, It's easily doable, especially when you consider... You know, you look at their record from last year, and they lost a lot of really close games in that conference. Um, they lost to, you know, Hartford at one point. They lost by one point. I might have to do the math here in a second to see how many games they lost. That's a huge tell for me, by the way, how many games you lose by, like, two mm-hmm. possessions or less. And when you're bringing back almost everybody, that's got to, like, yeah. level out. That's sweet. They lost seven conference games by fewer than 10 points. Um, a few of those are, I mean, like at four of those are fewer than five points. Um, I think that they're definitely going to be in the mix to, to really jump up the standings uh, this year. And if nothing else, just watch a couple of their games for Andrew Fleming. Really, really solid player all around. Um, if, if they actually have a lot of these guys who are placed around him uh, it'll really elevate his game too um and I, like i said we touched on the style of play earlier this year you know they don't do a lot well like fundamentally um but like i said there's no really place to go but up i, I would not be surprised whatsoever and they did beat fordham last year well there you go we know how you feel about fordham so my team is maybe a little bit more expected, though not much. Um, and I think I picked them just because I've had the Colonial Athletic Association on my mind lately because I got a vote in their media <laughs> poll. So I like immersed myself in everything there is to know about them so I could figure out where to pick teams and who to vote for all conference and all that. Mm-hmm. I went with Towson. Towson went 10 and 22 overall last year, 6 and 12 in the CAA. 
they return all five starters from last year, including one of the best players in the conference in Brian Fobbs. Fobbs averaged uh, 17 and a half points, six rebounds a game. Player of the year candidate from the conference. We know they're well coached uh, in, in Pat Scary. I think he's pretty well expect, well respected um, in the business. And, and Towson was in a really good position last year before they kind of fell apart down the stretch. Uh, they beat some pretty good teams, including Northeastern, um, which was, by the way, a top 100 team in all of college basketball last year. Beat them at a pretty good stretch. And I think the CAA as a whole is wide open with Hofstra and Northeastern both mm-hmm. losing the players who were probably one and two for the best players in the conference in Justin Wright Foreman and uh, Vasa. So I think, like you said, in the say his last name, no, <laughs> <laughs> um, Vasa. I had this down last year. Vasa Puchicha. Puchicha, you're a braver man than me. Listen, I I had it down. It, it, you should know if you're listening to this. All of my college basketball knowledge falls out of my head, like on April fifth, right. and it stays out of my head until we start doing season previews. Well, that's because we went to sleep. Yeah, we, no, we we totally went to sleep. We we went to sleep and we just woke up. Yeah, we sleep in we sleep <laughs> we in sleep May. in May and June and July and August and September. <laughs> we we come out of hibernation just to talk to Greg Campy, and then we go. I right did back. talk to Greg Campy. He is our most recent podcast. It was so good. Did you listen to it? Yeah, I remember. I I was messaging in the in the group chat about how he actually. I mean, he makes a, some pretty good points until you realize, like, oh, of course he's going to make these points. But also, like, he may he does make a solid argument. He does. Listen, so, I agree. He's with, a good messenger. I agreed with maybe two percent of what Campy said to me in that podcast, and I think, and you could correct me if I'm wrong. I think I did a good job of pushing back on him, mm-hmm. um, but he held his own. And yeah, I think, and I think he did a really messenger. good job, and like. He's not one of these people like Doug Gottlieb who's disingenuously tweeting this shit about um, transfers or about um, compensating players or anything. He comes from a position of someone who is trying to do his job, and I, I was able to respect that really well. Yeah, I think that's why I liked that so much um, is that if, if we're going to get these kind of opinions from anyone and for them to hold any sort of water – it needs to be from somebody who is like experienced a lot of this firsthand because like that has really uh, plagued uh, I mean Oakland these past few years um, and he's seen it and like, like you said about Doug Gottlieb I think if anyone is going to be out there being a vocal critic of the way the the actual transfer system goes about now I mean it's got to be guys like him who are actually I don't know smart and like informed about this stuff rather than a bunch of like just uh, know nothing columnists on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Cause he, I mean, he knows. Um, let's see if there are any other questions we could answer. Oh, I did forget. I did look up the stat about name. If we wanted to like jump back in there. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, while, while we were talking and stuff, um, I went and checked out um, uh, Maine's little paid little blurb on, um, blue ribbon and they pointed out on there that this is they did better math than i did by looking at their ken Palm page earlier when i was like oh they've got you know seven games where they 
were within 10 points. Um, they did much better statistic keeping where it said that Maine was either tied or ahead in nine of 16 conference games at halftime. And they only won three of those. There you go. I think that was, that was the stat when I read that I was like, well, shit, you know, we might have to be uh, making a trip up to or- Orono. Well, listen, you're in Williamsburg. That's where William Mary is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's on the Amtrak line, right? Orono? No, <laughs> Williamsburg. Williamsburg does have an Amtrak. Yeah, I've never ridden the train before. Yeah. You could train right on up here, and we could hit a bunch of America East schools. Oh, my big plan this year, like while I'm down here, um, since basketball is like the only thing that keeps me sane, um, is to just mm-hmm. see like a bunch of mid-major stuff. Uh Let's see. I mean, Richmond and VCU were close. Old Dominion, Hampton, and Norfolk State are close. Uh, you have to go to all of those. I the Siegel Center is on my bucket list. So, like, let me know when you're going to VCU, and I will come down. Oh, should that be awesome? Because um, I would definitely. We could like cover like a Saturday afternoon A10 yes. game or something. Um, DC isn't even very far from me. It's only like two and a half hours. So you know. If Georgetown mm-hmm. gets it together this year, we can go cover them. Georgetown's going to be pretty good. Good, solid. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, if Navy's ever worth anything, they're only three hours away. Not too bad. East Carolina, mid-major school, they're they're pretty close. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. They might be a mid-major school. I don't know. Now you're going to make me look up. We'll see what that league looks like. See real quick on Amtrak. How how close I am to Orono? How how long? Well, I know how close I am. How long it would take me to get to Orono? I, I think the question is like, how far is Orono from Portland or Augusta or any other like semi-major city where Amtrak might have a stop? Yeah, like I'll have to get off in Portland and then put on like those old-time like snowshoes that look like tennis rackets and like <laughs> walk a hundred miles to Orono. I mean, Maine isn't like a tundra. I've been to Maine. It's a nice state. It's. I've been watching. The, you, you, I've been watching the Terror recently. Um, it's like this AMC show that's about. Um, it's like a fictionalization kind of, but it's like historical fiction. Mm-hmm. It's based on um, the HMS Terror, which was like a ship that was part of uh, John Franklin's expedition to find like the Northwest Passage in like the eighteen forties, um, and. There were these two British ships, the HMS Terror and the Erebus, and um, they ended up getting icebound, and everyone died. Um, oh. And it was it was really tragic. They were stuck there for years and everything, but they just found the ships like two years ago or something like that. And uh, the fictionalization version is where it's it's basically like a retelling of all of this. It's got some great actors in it, like Jared Harris, um, Sharon Hines, but it basically features like this weird polar bear looking spirit creature like hunting them while they're up there uh, it, it's 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 really good but it's in like the frozen tundra of course and that's what i've got on my mind when i'm thinking about Maine. oh real quick uh dartmouth basketball oh oh yeah oh holy shit sorry dartmouth follow uh, us back how, yeah d- come on dartmouth we shout you out on every podcast follow us back you cowards <laughs> I'm keeping. What are you afraid of? I'm keeping a tally of every every team that doesn't follow us back on on Instagram 
It's like uh, Nixon's yeah. top enemies list Listen, or whatever. Dartmouth, 11 and 19 overall, 2 and 12 in the Ivy last year. All right. You had one senior on that team. Your expectation, you, there are expectations on this group. I know you're probably not as good as Harvard. I get it. Probably not as good as Yale. Yale sucks. I think Yale's going to be terrible. Make the Ivy tournament. Um, so thank you, everybody, for listening to the Mid Major Madness podcast. <laughs> Uh, please keep uh, checking our site because we're going to have a lot of season preview content coming up this month. We'll continue rolling out our preseason rankings. We're going to continue giving us, giving you stories uh, like what Cam did today with the UTSA piece. So we'll have a lot of stuff like that. Uh, we have some great ideas for the podcast as well. So make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever the hell it is you get your podcast. Subscribe, leave us a review, uh, rate us. This was the Mid Major Mainness podcast. Yeah, oh, the Mid Major Mainness podcast. Thank you. For Cam Newton, I'm Russ Steinberg. Thank you so much for listening. And it'll probably be less than seven months before we talk to you again. <laughs>